Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome back to 12 Days Pod. I'm Kara Zalaya, and I'm joined here with my co-host, partner, husband, and my Christmas carol, Dan Takaki. Hello, everyone. Everyone, hello. If you're new here, this is our holiday season podcast, one that is so seasonal that it is only relevant for 12 weeks of the year, which is how long Christmas is meant to be celebrated. That's right. We love Christmas and we love Christmas movies. So we're here to talk about some of our favorites and some of our not so favorites for no reason other than to have a good time. So let's get into it. Dear Daniel, what are we talking about this week? This week, we are wrapping up season four with a two-part season finale. In the final episode of the season, we are watching Carol, starring Kate Blanchett as the titular Carol. This movie also stars Rooney Mara. So jumping right into it, you've seen this before of course and we're already a fan yes so why don't you tell us what your thoughts were going into this one and what sort of history you had with this movie so we are doing this film in no small part because our friend Carson is a huge fan of this film, mm-hmm. uh, which is what I knew about this film the first time I watched it is that our friend Carson loves this movie. And I watched it, ooh, I don't know, four years ago, a long time ago, yeah. and absolutely loved it. It was incredible. I love Rooney Mara. I love Kate Blanchett. Like, this is, this is going to be a home run for me. Let's be honest. It's based in New York. It's a love story. I, I was always going to love this. So I had seen it once, twice, twice, definitely twice, mm-hmm. and... And just thought it was amazing and Christmas happens in it. So therefore, I think kind of a Christmas movie. I've only watched it in the Christmas season. So for me, definitely a Christmas movie. Yeah, they do meet because it is Christmas. Correct. In a toy store. Correct. So what did you think this movie was going to be about? So like you said, the only thing I knew about this was that it was our friend Carson's favorite movie. Yep. Uh, So I knew it would be good, but I didn't really know much about it other than the fact that Kate Blanchett was in it. Sure. And so I thought (laughs) that maybe it was about two women, both named Carol, Uh, who fell in love with each other at Christmas. Sure. And then the movie ends on the following Christmas. So it's like their life is... Between Christmases. Between Christmases. Mm-hmm. I also assumed if one of the women was named Carol, that it would definitely be Kate Blanchett. Correct. Nailed it. Rooney Mara's character is not named Carol, unfortunately. I also said that it would be kind of like a tragedy-like story, like Orpheus and Eurydice. Yeah. But that this ending might be a little bit better. Well, who's to say? Who is to say? You were very close, but you were so far away. So why don't you go ahead and tell the fine folks at home what this movie actually is about? I would love to. So this movie takes place in 1950s New York with a socialite, I guess we'll call her. Sure. A socialite named Carol, uh-huh. who has been trying to divorce her husband, Harge, played by Kyle Chandler. Which immediately goes into my first note. What is Harge short for? You know, I don't really know. Harjery. <laughs> I thought maybe like Hargrove or Hargrave or like Hargent Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. <laughs> Maybe it's just like one of those nicknames that's just like a word. Like Hargret. Yeah. Like Margaret. Like, you know, some people say Marge for Margaret. Maybe his name's like Harold, but like, they're just like, <laughs> you know, it's how one of those things where it's like, you call me Blue Spoon, which is nothing, <laughs> but it's because you used to, we used to call each other best friend. And so that over time kind of like morphed into Blue Spoon. And so maybe Harge is like, his name was like Harmon or something. Harmon? What kind of name is Harmon? A last name. 
I don't know. I don't know any Harmons. I don't know either. Is her last name Carol? No, her last name is Ames, right? Something like that. Aired. Aired. Harge Aired. That's that's hard. That's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Kyle Chandler, who is an asshole in this movie. Go on. Yeah. Kyle Chandler, if you're not familiar, is Friday Night Lights Kyle Chandler. Yeah. So they have a young daughter named Rindy, also these names, who throughout the movie they have a custody battle over because Harge is resentful that Carol wants to leave him specifically for a women, a woman. (laughs) A women. A women. Yeah. Many women, honestly. Yeah. And that's fine. And he uses that fact as leverage to gain custody of Rindy. Yeah. So there's also another woman in this movie named Therese. Not Therese. 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 Played by Rooney Mara, who is an aspiring photographer and lover of trains. (laughs) We'll come back to that in a little bit. I have some notes on that as well. Who works at a department store where she meets Carol, who's looking for a Christmas present for Rindy. Sure. After they spend some time talking, Carol leaves her gloves behind, prompting Therese to seek her out to send them to her. Mm -hmm. As a thank you, the two then have lunch together, and then Therese goes over to Carol's house, where they are interrupted by Harge coming home and packing Rindy's things to take her to his parents' house in Florida for Christmas. Florida man. Back at it again. Always, always trying to steal people out of New Jersey? I don't know. (laughs) So in the process of all of this going on, Carol is notified by her lawyer that Harge is trying to take custody from her. Mm-hmm. And she goes into like a full spiral and decides she needs to get out of town. And she asks Therese to go west with her and she agrees. And so the two head out on a road trip. Yeah. You know, people in old movies are always going west. As someone who is a East Coast baby through and through and has mm-hmm. very little desire to go west ever, I don't really understand it. As far west as I'll go is the Midwest, which I guess is what she does, because she does end up going to Chicago. Yeah, that's where Therese has her mail sent to is Chicago, yeah. but... they just sort of drive aimlessly to the west. Yeah. I just want to flag that you did not mention how this film like starts physically because I think that that's something that is an interesting narrative device. Yeah, I was going to get to that at the end because oh, I I, cool. I think it makes sense to bring up at the end as well. Perfect. Yeah, so talking a little about Therese, too, she has a boyfriend named Richard who wants to take her to France over the summer and is deeply in love with her. It seems like he's proposed to her several times and she's always been like, no, I don't think so. But they haven't broken up yet. Sure. She does not have the same feelings that he does towards her. And Richard accuses her of having a crush on Carol, which she does, but Mm -hmm. she doesn't. I don't think she really realizes yet. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to discuss about the Therese character of it all and her understanding of feelings and emotions. And I think that there's a lot of depth there. But Mm -hmm. also, I mean, I think this film can be seen in many, many ways. Yeah. She also has a friend named Danny who works at the New York Times. And he also has feelings for her, but that kind of gets squashed right away. Yeah. And he is offering her an introductory job at the New York Times with their photography department and has been encouraging her to put together a portfolio of her work because he thinks she has a lot of potential Mm -hmm. anyway so therese and carol go on this road trip towards chicago and they spend their nights at hotels and motels and get to know each other better including carol telling therese about abby who is an old friend and lover partner who's played by sarah paulson abby is around throughout the movie and is clearly a sore spot between carol and harge yeah 
you know, Harge just sees her, sees um, Abby as this, like, former flame and ex. And, like, Carol and Abby's relationship is so much more than that. It's, Mm -hmm. like, very much said that they're, like, oldest friends. They love and care for each other deeply in in a platonic way now. Yeah, and it, it seems like Therese and Carol's relationship is sort of the straw that broke the camel's back for Harge. But, like, really all of, like, his insecurities about their relationship are rooted in abby yeah which is fair sarah paulson come on i know (laughs) truly i mean it's not fair but it's also like okay no but i mean like it's understandable yeah yeah you know so their road trip culminates in a motel in waterloo iowa on new year's eve where they finally kiss and have sex for the first time but the next morning they learn that they've been followed and spied on by someone hard hired to collect evidence against carol for the custody battle this is one of the most anger inducing scenes for me in film yeah like i remember the first time i watched that i was like seething yeah because it's this beautiful incredible scene between carol and therese and then like the next morning all of a sudden it's like oh right we are in the 1950s and people are awful people are the absolute worst yeah so the next morning carol leaves for home immediately to go and try and figure out what to do with this situation leaving abby to come and get therese and take her back to new york and it said that Carol flies home to New York, but it's unclear that Abby and Therese fly back or not, or if they drive back together. <laughs> What's that road trip? <laughs> Two of Carol's exes <laughs> driving across the country back to New York City. Where's that movie? You know, honestly, Carol too. <laughs> Still caroling. Still caroling. <laughs> caroling on home. <laughs> So once they're back in New York and New Jersey, Therese and Carol stop seeing each other and Therese starts to move forward with her life, getting a job at the Times and she's been more social and outgoing while at the same time Carol is fighting this custody battle and, you know, she's in therapy. Uh, Asterisks. of this is a homophobic society that's like you need help you've had a psychotic break because you like women yeah that's and so in order for her to try and win her custody battle she's like oh i'm getting you know help help for my psychotic break yeah yes Ugh. Ugh. awful it's truly horrible and so the end result of this custody battle is that harge retains basically sole custody of rindy yeah but in order to like stave off having to go to court and making this a huge public thing he agrees to let carol have visitation rights i guess yeah it's it's not good vaguely being able to see her yeah that's also what carol offers and then it's never seen that that's resolved but like we assume that that's the case so you mentioned this earlier but the movie starts and ends with the same scene of therese and carol sitting at a restaurant together Mm -hmm. and at the beginning of the movie it seems like a guy comes up to them while they're having dinner and asks therese if she's going to a work party later right and and it seems like he's interrupting a date they're having. Yeah. But at the end of the movie, we learn that this is the first time that they are seeing each other for months. Yeah. And Therese is just like kind of humoring Carol at this point to be like, fine, I will meet you for dinner yeah. and we can talk. And Carol's like, oh, I moved back to the city and I have this apartment uptown and I see Rindy once in a while, but mostly I'm just trying to figure out things for myself. And Therese is like, that's great, but what you did leaving me at that hotel in Iowa was really messed up. And Carol's like, I know, 
but I love you. And would you want to move into this apartment with me? <laughs> and Therese says no, yeah. which is a big moment because throughout the movie, it's seen that Therese kind of just says yes to everything that carol asks her to do and we'll talk about this more i think in our notes but like it's it's kind of a growing point for therese that she is able to say no to carol finally right and so therese leaves and goes to the other party only to then later find her in the evening at a different restaurant and the movie ends with the two of them staring across the room at each other kind of smiling at each other what a film it is art why don't you just get into your notes. Let's talk about this movie. Let's talk about some things. So this film is one of the greatest like depictions I've ever seen of longing. Yes. There's so much longing in this film. And I just, obviously this is a film about female relationships. And mm-hmm. they mean specifically like sexual romantic relationships between women. But I also want to say that it is a film, I would say also about female friendship and just what female companionship even looks like. The Sarah Paulson character, Abby and Carol, are really fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Just this lifelong friendship at one point turned into a, a lover's relationship and then moved on to being friendship and only friendship again. But the, the the love aspect, the romantic aspect, sort of cast an entire shadow over her marriage. And mm-hmm. uh, in the film, Carol talks about how basically it never conflicted with her relationship with Harge. And so Abby and her relationship shouldn't bother Harge so much, basically. Sure. But of course, it's the 50s and it's an ex, I guess, for all intents and purposes. But I'm just very floored by how much is said in this film with how little dialogue is said, if that makes sense. By yeah. which to say, there is a lot of dialogue. That's not to say that people don't talk. But this is a film that is just all about like glances and moments and mm-hmm. silence and longing and we love to yearn famously we love to yearn and it is a yearny movie you know it feels you feel like you are invading these women's privacy like it's very much one of those things where as a viewer to me it feels like you are looking into someone's window and i say that literally because the cinematography of this film is done a lot through windows yeah and through frames in ways that are really interesting uh rooney mara's character as you mentioned is very interested in photography and we see her affections towards carol through the way that he she photographs her Mm -hmm. which is such an exquisite device yeah because she's she's quite quiet therese to have that sort of way of visually having a sense of like this is how therese literally sees carol is stunning the way that this film is shot through car windows and through the windows of apartments in 1950s new york I mean, it's just, it's stunning. It's absolutely stunning. It is complete art. It's a hard film for me, I think, because it's like, it's also just this sort of, on top of the fact that these women are romantically involved with each other, which Mm -hmm. is a whole other thing. Like it is also just being a woman in the 50s and the lack of autonomy that you have is difficult. (laughs) And yet these women seem like so ahead of their time. Right. Like they go on their road trips, they have their own money, they do their own things. That in many times I forgot that it was the 50s. Yeah, I was going to say too, I at times was surprised by the lack of scrutiny they Mm. got from strangers. Yeah. Like every hotel they checked into, like they were either staying in adjoining rooms or the same room. Yeah. And nobody really batted an eye. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, and so that was, that was an interesting portrayal choice. I don't know. I mean, that's also something to say about like, just how queer people in history, like queer men are, you know, two men staying in a room is a scandal. But like two women, it's like, of course, women walk around in packs, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's like how when you read about like all of these famous female writers and like, they're lifelong female friends. And we're like, okay. <laughs> Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> yeah, she sure had a lot of friends. And it's like, oh, <laughs> okie dokie. This movie is exquisite. I, I don't have any notes on how to improve it. You know, I mean, well, no, it's I wasn't saying you do improve. No, on I it. know. I know. We usually just do talk about ways things could be improved. Wonderfully paced. I mean, Kate Blanchett. Can we talk about Kate Blanchett? She's I, incredible in this. I think that Kate Blanchett and Tilda Swinton, we've talked about this, that they occupy similar spaces to mm-hmm. me mentally, where it's this sort of like powerful, strong, cheekboned, you know, they, they, they play with the fluidity of femininity and masculinity and, and what those tropes are yeah. while still being extremely striking and, you know, gorgeous women. I just, I I am constantly also terrified of Kate Blanchett because <laughs> of Lord of the Rings. I think that I'll never... Oh, yeah, that's fair. I'll never overcome that. <laughs> oh, Galadriel. Galadriel's a scary character. She really is. I don't think we fear her enough. And I don't think, you know, it's much like, oh, what's his name? He's that Spanish actor. And he was in that Coen Brothers film where he's like, call it the coin flip. Oh, yes. I know who you're talking about. I'm going to just rattle off some names. It's He's not... married, I believe, to Penelope Cruz. I don't know if that's true. Javier Bardem. Yeah. Javier Bardem. Yes. We just Googled and he is in fact married to Penelope Cruz. Scary man. Scary, scary man. And like, apparently the sweetest man on God's green earth. Like yeah. every report I've read about Javier Bardem is that he's so, so incredible and kind. And I'm just like, I'm scared shitless of Javier Bardem because he's such a good actor. And he was so scary in No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men. That's the film. Mm-hmm. There is this tier of actors that I'm like, you're an actor. Yeah. You know, like, and, and I'm not talking movie stars because there's like Tom Cruise and then there's your movie stars. Sure. But I'm talking about like the gravitas and... You know, I I love Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep is so versatile that she can do anything. She can do no wrong. She can she can perform any part. To quote Modern Family, mm-hmm. Meryl Streep could play Batman and that would be the correct call. And then there are actors who are just sort of like other celestial beings. And <laughs> yes. like, to me, it's like Javier Bardem, Kate Blanchett, Tilda Swinton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's just those three. I think it's just those three. I think I'm just sexually intimidated by all of them. (laughs) That's fine. And that's fair. It's like how you're scared of J-Lo and Beyonce. Yeah, they. there's a lot of energy there that I I cannot reach. There was a period of time where it felt like for like two or three months, I was like deeply obsessed with J-Lo. Yeah. And I was watch I watched Hustlers and the J-Lo Super Bowl documentary, like a lot. Was it right after she sang Let's Get Loud? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was right after the inauguration. You know... 
January 6th, the inauguration, I was going through it. It's and a weird so time. I just, I tunneled into JLo yeah. and I, I, I had a hyperfixation, which I'm going to get into hyperfixations for a little bit. You know, I'm neurodivergent and I, I diagnosed ADHD, lots of neurodivergencies in my family that have been diagnosed and undiagnosed. And so I hyperfixated on JLo and Dan was not well. <laughs> That was happening. <laughs> no, yeah, it was very weird. But I want to talk about the hyperfixation thing in this movie. You don't want to is... talk about your fear of J-Lo? I really don't. I want to talk about this movie. You've been so serious and so, like, thoughtful and caring about this movie. And I yeah. love this movie, too. I thought it was an immaculate film. Sure. All that said, I want to talk a little bit... I want, I want to step away from J-Lo for a second and talk more about this movie and hyperfixations within this movie. Like the train in our background. Like the trains in our background. Therese's character has a lot of, we'll say, neurodivergent tendencies. Yes. As a neurodivergent person myself, can confirm. And I think that that is something that is difficult to talk about in film without it becoming a film about neurodivergency. Right. Yeah. And it was not really something that was addressed in the movie it was just something that you kind of observe and if you if you can tell yes you, you notice it and if you don't then like you don't think about it but like <laughs> the, the girls who get it get it <laughs> right therese has a hyperfixation on trains and yep you know the whole this whole this whole thing starts carol goes into this department store and asks therese oh do you have any of these like dolls left or whatever yeah and she's like no we're out of those but we do have trains and she's like oh can you tell me about this and then she talks for like two minutes straight <laughs> about the specific train set and how to set it up and all these things about the train right and carol's like well this is kind of endearing that you're obsessed with trains <laughs> And it's like the first time we see Therese really talking and she's like very talkative about trains. And then she's kind of like pretty reserved and quiet yeah. for most of the movie as well. Yeah. And like we mentioned earlier, she's a very hard time saying no to things. Yes. And her relationship with men is also really interesting because mm -hmm. so much of it is like, well, is it that it's the 50s? Is it that you don't understand your internal homosexuality? Is it your neurodivergencies? <laughs> and my answer is it's all of them. Yeah. I, I think that there's a lot of play here at play here. There's also an age difference between Carol and Therese. Mm -hmm. And that goes a little into play. I mean, it goes into play quite a bit. Like it's something that Abby brings up quite a bit just in terms of like life experience between carol and therese as well yeah but i do think that there is just a fundamental difference in how therese is able to process things than how carol is and do not get me wrong carol is also going through a lot of trauma and horrible things yeah but with therese it seems like it like it is like it's, it's a neurodivergency like you and i joked you know about it being like um is this a film <laughs> about Kate Blanchett's character basically kidnapping a neurodivergent woman who's really into photography and trains. <laughs> Because if this was the other, if this was a different gendered film, and this was about a quiet man who worked in a toy store and was obsessed with trains and photography, we'd be like, huh. And, <laughs> and let's talk about it. Neurodivergencies are underdiagnosed in women and definitely in the 50s. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, it was just so like unaddressed. And I think on purpose it was unaddressed because it was accurate to the time period yeah for it yeah. to not be like recognized or whatever sure 
And the thing with Therese is that you see her grow throughout the movie to be able to learn to say no to things. Yes. And to kind of develop her own autonomy and her own ability to kind of recognize things within herself. Yes. And so in that way, I think it's it shows her growth very well throughout the movie. Whereas you kind of see, the, I don't want to say the reverse, but like a lot of like, there's a lot of parallels between how Carol is kind of like falling apart as Therese is really it's coming, coming into, into her, her own. own. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's 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 an interesting dichotomy between the two characters. I love how we tried to be funny and then just got into a very nuanced conversation. <laughs> well, <laughs> She, I, Ter- Carol does kind of kidnap Therese and yeah, drive her, drives yeah. her across the country and then just leaves her in Iowa. Yeah, that, the, that does happen. And it's deeply fucked up. But like, you know, Im- imagine Therese telling that story to someone else at some point where she's like, yeah, I met this woman. She came into the department store and then I spent a couple days with her and then she asked me to go on a road trip across the country and then she just left me in Iowa. Yeah. Because this movie also takes place over like maybe a week. <laughs> Because she's shopping for Christmas and then it's New Year's. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And she's late to shopping for Christmas as well. That, that's what she mentions. Correct. Yeah. And so it's probably like Christmas Eve to New Year's. Yeah. That's, I have that in my, in my research. That's what it, I found out that it basically takes place from the end of, I think, 1953 to the beginning of 1954. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that um, Kate Blanchett kind of kidnaps Rina Mara on this. <laughs> the other thing I want to note too is that the score in this oh, so is good incredible yeah. it's very very good it is it has a very christmasy feel the it store does. yeah and so yeah this is this is definitely a christmas movie in that it is a christmas time movie right you know it's not like the grinch <laughs> <laughs> santa's not around <laughs> But they do wear Santa hats at some point. Yeah, that's true. Uh, did you have any other notes for this film? No, I don't really think I do. I, I don't think I have a lot to say beyond what I've already said. Listen, it's okay for us to put on our little cinephile hat every once in a while. and Ev- just Every once in a while, yes. Every once in a while. <laughs> Usually our last episode of the season. <laughs> you know, we can do a deep dive on the Princess Switch and the Christmas Prince. And then we can talk about Carol, seriously and completely. Yeah, last year we watched little women and this year we watched two women <laughs> but um are you ready for some fun facts yes i would love to hear some welcome to your fun facts everybody like we've mentioned several times now this is a good movie and so in it when you look for fun facts you find really interesting thoughtful fun facts so let's get into it the character of carol aird was inspired by virginia kent catherwood a philadelphia socialite six years older than patricia highsmith with whom the author had a love affair in the 1940s oh because this was based off of a book right that patricia wrote Mm -hmm. and and the screenwriter, I think I mentioned that later, or maybe I cut it in my fun facts, but the screenwriter of this film was friends with Patricia, who wrote the book that it was based off of. Oh, cool. Yeah. Catherwood lost custody of her daughter after her homosexuality was used against her with a taped recording of a lesbian liaison she had in a hotel room. Mm, which so, is what happens in this movie. Yeah, based on the true story. Although Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara weren't required to be on the other end of the line whenever they talked on the phone, famously a one-sided fincal is very common, yeah. they offered to do so to help each other out. Thus, whenever Carol and Therese talk to each other on the phone, Blanchett and Mara are really on the other end of the line. Mm. 
I love when this happens in movies. Mm-hmm. I also, because I can never shut up about Succession. I was just about to mention <laughs> Succession and Matthew McFadden's uh, yes. being on the other end of the line when, uh, something spoiler very, alert, something spoiler happens. Alert happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love when that happens um, in Succession in that very pivotal scene where Matthew McFadden is on there. Um, he was actually in London when they were shooting in New York. And he, despite the time zones, he would call in for the shoot, which is just so cool. Yeah. I I love craft. I love art. Speaking of art, this film was shot on super 16 millimeter film to resemble the look and feel of photographic film from the late 40s, early 50s. Ooh. Yeah. So hard. You know what else was shot in film? <laughs> Succession. <laughs> sure was. Sure was. The cinematography was influenced by the photojournalism of Vivian Mayer, Ruth Orkin, Helen Levitt, and Esther Bubbly. All women. Photography by Saul Leiter, known for shooting through windows and using reflection, was a key influence. Nice. Which is what I talked about, about the, the sort of use of Please glass do. surfaces and through having surfaces. the eye for cinema yeah yeah you know i know the things now this film was obviously very well critically acclaimed received a 10 minute standing ovation at the 2015 Cannes film festival hmm. this is the second adaptation of a patricia highsmith novel that kate blanchett has starred in the first was the talented mr ripley oh i've seen that have you seen that i haven't seen it i think matt damon's in that yeah he's, yeah. he's the star of that movie yeah he is it's good is that also with your your guy Philip Philip Sy <laughs> Phil Sy Hoff. <laughs> I believe Phil Sy Hoff is in the talented Mr. Ripley as well. I believe that's correct. A lot of the way that we talk, have we talked about Oh Hello on this podcast? S- dozens of times. <laughs> Certainly we have. <laughs> Have... You talked about the Pillow Man, remember, with David Harbour? When did we talk about the Pillow Man? In the David Harbour Violent Night oh. episode this season. You know, I have two cultural references, and they are... <laughs> Martin McDonough's The Pillow Man. <laughs> I mean, yes. I was going to say that my two references, I wish I was that sophisticated, were Oh, Hello and Succession. <laughs> oh, Hello, Succession. But we can pretend that it's The Pillow Man and, you know, King Lear. Sure. <laughs> Make me out to be a lot more sophisticated. The than police. I am. That's who you <laughs> That's are. That's who you are. One sided fun call. Anyway, Talented Mr. Ripley, also a film by, based on a book by Patricia Highsmith. Carol was produced in association with Dirty Films Limited, a London based production company co owned by Kate Blanchett and her husband, Andrew Upton. Oh. Yeah. Good for them. There's also a scene in the film where uh, there are some children running around the department store, and those are Kate Blanchett's children. Oh, neat. Yeah, she has three sons. Uh, tough. Uh, and then my last fun fact is that in the first major critical survey of LGBT films conducted by the BFI, which is the British Film Institute, in 2016, Carol was named the best LGBT film of all time. Wow. Wow. Huge. Huge. What's that one we saw? Happiest Season. It's no Happiest Season. <laughs> There is an Abby character in that movie, too, though. Oh. And that's it for my fun facts. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. Yeah. Wow. Those were legitimately good fun facts. Yeah. Those are just like, you know, we we bring to the culture. We can apply to a grant. I guess so. We can apply to it for an art grant. But what would we use that money for? 
uh, ads. Ad? We use money to buy ads? I don't think that's how ads work. Yeah, I don't know. New hey, mics. By the way, if anyone knows, hey, if you're a new listener of 12 Days Pod this season, welcome. Could you shoot us a message and let us know how you found us? Because there was a period of time where we got like a thousand listens out of nowhere, specifically from a Muppet Christmas Carol. And we have been looking and looking and we don't know how you found us. Welcome to the family. We love having you here. But like, who who sent you? our way was it kermit i'm convinced it was kermit maybe we missed an episode of like sesame street and kermit guest starred and he was like by the way guys <laughs> it was a very confusing week for us and we were like what's happening yeah i didn't understand it it's like when you tweet and then you go into a movie and then you get out of the movie and your tweets gone viral scary stuff it's happened to me once and it was one of the worst days of my life <laughs> well, until happens, i learned you could mute tweets it happens to me like once a year but it's still a lot and i i'm just wondering dan has had like kermit on like push notifications because he's convinced kermit tweeted about us yeah i don't know what happened but anyways as we do every episode it is time for our definitive ranking of this movie as is tradition we base our rankings around the 12 days of christmas so out of 12 days of christmas how would you rate carol I would rate Carol 11 Ladies Dancing. 11 Ladies Dancing. Is that the right one? I don't think so. I just want to rate it very high and Ladies Dancing. Yeah, that makes sense. How many Ladies Dancing is it? 10 Ladies Dancing. No, wait. 11 Pipers Piping. 12 Lords of Leaping. No, no, it's 12 Drummers Drumming. (laughs) 11 Pipers Piping. 10 Lords of Leaping. 9 Ladies Dancing. 8 Maids of Milking. 7 Swans of Swimming. (laughs) So I think there's nine ladies that are dancing. Nine ladies dancing plus three. Hi, this is almost our 60th episode of this podcast. <laughs> Every week, there's a little there's a little glance Kara and I do up at the ceiling to see if we can think of the numbers and... The days of Christmas. The days of Christmas you know and the gifts. what's extra embarrassing? 12 days of Christmas was part of my choral concert this year. But I had bronchitis, so I didn't perform, so I get a What's pass. extra embarrassing is we've been doing this podcast for four years. <laughs> and we love every minute of it. Anyway, this movie's perfect. 12 out of 12. How about you? Well, you gave it an 11 out of 12. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so are you changing your ranking, or is it still an 11? I'm giving it a 12. Okay. All right. How about you? Well, I was going to give it 11 out of 12, because I didn't remember what 11 was either. <laughs> 11's a score we don't give out much. You know, that's fair. And I think this has a unique feel to it. Mm. And I'm going to give this... 11 is a gay number. I guess so. Think about it. It's pretty gay. Yeah, so just to confirm, it is 11 pipers piping. Wonderful. 11 potentially piping plovers, as we discussed. Ah. Piping. So I'm going to give it 11 out of 12. Wonderful. Love this movie. Love the score. What a time. What a time. Thank you so much for listening. We are only three days away from Christmas, and we hope to spread as much Christmas spirit as possible. So please share this with your friends if they aren't already listening. Yeah. And thank you all so much for tuning in to our fourth season of 12 Days Pod. Wow. We're always so happy and grateful to have this little community each year, and we're already looking forward to next season. And next season should hopefully be a little more normal, so if you've got any recommendations to send our way, let us know. What should we watch? What should we see? Send them to me because i'm picking and i'm thinking of doing a lot of cuckoo banana things like green knight that's all that's all that you've come up with so far which was already on our list for potential (laughs) movies next year and the godfather and the sound of music all my favorite movies and we will also be back in the summer for our annual recap episode absolutely and as we say every episode merry Merry christmas Christmas. and happy new year oh yeah happy new year happy new year (laughs) 
Have a great one, everyone. Bye. Bye.